It's going to go and grab a remote. Yes, the truth is out. I like to be in control. <laughs> we have been uh, exploring a series of uh, seeking spiritual R and R. Not so much rest and recreation, although they are both good biblical terms, but renewal and revival. We're seeking renewal and revival through the Spirit. And part of our theme has been to recognise that we don't just sit somewhere on a rock or somewhere that's isolated and feel as though it's just going to come and find us. There's things that we do to prepare ourselves, to be alert, to be recognised, some of the signs around us to respond to. And today as we explore it, I want to explore the theme of reaching the other side. Now, in this case, the other side for the first of our Bible readings from Exodus 15 is very obvious. The other side of the what's known as the Red Sea, although it's actually more accurately the Sea of Reeds in the Nile Delta. And having come through that dramatic moment of salvation, Exodus 15 is a, uh, a song that Moses bursts into as he gathers together the people and just is in awe of what they have just experienced. And uh, I'm of that generation from youth group days many years ago. I can't hear those opening verses from Exodus 15. I'll sing unto the Lord for all. He is... Sorry, Raquel. Uh, triumph marvellously. Gloriously. Thank you. Obviously, my memory is failing me from my teenage years. I can hear the tune. I can hear the um, It was one of those great tunes as we reflect. Now, last week we saw Moses with the bush that was flaming but not burning, how he encountered God's presence, and that was a life-changing time. It came with a call and a commission, and Paul had a very similar dramatic epiphany appearance or encounter with uh, Jesus. But this week I want to focus on a more experiential level, and this is more than usual, a bit of a, um, a thought speaking, my thought bubble speaking aloud. So I'm not exactly sure where it's going to take me, um, or us. So I'm very open to um, some of your own thoughts and suggestions. But reaching the other side is such a, um, a rich metaphor for a whole range of experiences in life. It can be reaching the other side after a crisis, and we've been in the midst of a, uh, perhaps a life-threatening crisis of some description. It may have been a challenge that we've had to face, and we're simply um, to, to, to meet that challenge has been a, a whole experience that we can reach and realise we're beyond the challenge now. We found the other side. It may be an adventure of some description. I don't know, those who tick off a bucket list of life's experiences and come back and think, what does life look like on the other side of that bucket list of experiences, other than an ever-growing list of possible further experiences? Whether it's having been through a bleak season where 
time has just been difficult. Perhaps it could be a, a winter season emotionally. Maybe it's been through a bit of a, 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 an emotional storm of some description. Without pushing it too far, St Matthew's has been through a significant storm over the years. And we can see now on the other side of that storm, enjoying something of the peace, the, the shalom, but also asking ourselves, asking God, what next? Where to from there? And that's the space that I want to explore or to open up for further conversation. Maybe it's after the big event. You know, it could be a, um, a family wedding of some description that takes months in preparation. Our Jonathan is already planning his 40th birthday, even though his 39th birthday is still to occur in a few weeks' time. <laughs> he loves the sense of anticipation. But sometimes after the big event you sort of find yourself, okay, the other side of that big event, where do we find ourselves? Whatever it may be, there are moments in which we might experience relief. It might be exhilaration. It might be a sense of joy and freedom, having come through something that has been constraining and restrictive. There are those moments in which it comes a communal moment of relief. There was that story, and I couldn't find the details last night, but that one where the child was lost in the bush for a significant period of time. And I think all around Australia, we were just praying that he would be safe and would be found. And when he was found, there was just a collective sense of, thank God for those moments. Whatever the experience may be for us, we have to ask ourselves, where do we go with those moments? And it is in a sense that I also want to raise that question, as I said, for St Matthew's as a church. My strong conviction at the moment, and praying along those lines, and others have a similar sense, that we're now emerging into something new. I've used the phrase a number of times, the liminal space. And it doesn't just sound curious, and uh, it's actually a really helpful term. Liminous or liminal is a, uh, the Latin word for a threshold of a doorway. God is calling us through a doorway, and what lies on the other side of that doorway hasn't taken shape yet. But we do know we can't go back to where we were before. We can only go forward. And trust that God will not only reveal that, but even more profoundly be present in that space. That is a message that I've been saying not just here at St Matthew's, but in many different churches when I get opportunities to talk about missional church. That was very much the feature of my um, talks to the Diocese of North Queensland at their clergy conference around we are living in those liminal times where things will change whether we like it or not. But the challenge becomes how we are prepared to take those steps and to let go of some things from the past into the future.
with that uh, passage in Exodus 15 where there's a dramatic escape from Egypt where Pharaoh eventually just said go and then changed his mind and sent the army to chase and they were catching up on them before that dramatic crossing of the Reed Sea and the Egyptians in their persistence met their end. There's a great Keith Green song that's written about that moment, one of many great Keith Green songs, that uh, talks about, so you want to go back to Egypt because they're complaining about manna. All we have is manna, manna burgers each day. He says, why would you go back to Egypt? The challenge is to move forward. So as we reflect on that passage, having come through that whatever that equivalent is in our life, both personally and communally, leads us in a space where there are choices to be made. You see, Moses and the people of Israel were freed from slavery for a purpose. When they eventually get to Mount Sinai in Exodus 19, God says that I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of slavery, but I've brought you for a purpose. There's work to be done. I've used the illustration other times around the difference between salvation and redemption, if you like, evangelism, and the wider question of the mission of God. Some of you who came to the uh, um, mission-shaped introduction encountered that question. Is evangelism and mission the same thing? And my explanation for what it's worth is that evangelism or redemption is a bit like we've gone off the road, we've fallen into a great ravine, we're stuck and we're in a perilous position. And we need someone to come down and reach down and to extract us from the ravine and put us back on the road and dust us off. That is redemption. The mission of God is to continue the journey. It is to complete the journey. There is work to be done. And we see from the passage in 1 Corinthians 10, where Paul was speaking to the church in Corinth, he says, well, you're in a similar position to the people of Israel coming out of the Red Sea. And how did that work out for them, he says? Rhetorical question. Short answer, not good. They grumbled. Where are we going to eat? Where are we going to drink? God provided for them. Still they grumbled as they will continue to go through their experiences. And they forgot the mission that they were called to do. So the passage that we heard in 1 Corinthians 10, Paul says that we can learn the same lessons of how we can learn it and get it wrong. So some of the lessons of life and faith emerge in these moments, after that moment of rescue as we've emerged into a new season. One is the danger of having a short memory. Now, there's so much temptation to do some self-confession at this stage about my short memory. But this is actually a more serious concern. It's forgetting the responsibilities, the commitments, the vows that we have made. We declare them on a Sunday and we gather and worship and we sing songs of worship and loyalty and trust and faith and our prayers are shaped by it. 
This week we have a com- the communion service that we gather together. But we can't forget that when we go out the door into the week. It is to shape the way in which we go out the door, the way in which we go about wherever our lives, our paths take us as the children of God, redeemed and saved, and now to be instruments, to be partners in that mission. The people of Israel forgot their calling and the vows and the promises they have made. Sometimes we forget the resolve we make. Some go through events and we think, oh, see, I see things differently now, things I used to regard as you know, trivial I'll set them aside. I recognize that having had whatever this experience is has changed my outlook. But it's easy to lose that sense of resolve and to get drawn back into those superficialities, the things that can overly preoccupy us without much fruitfulness. We can be lured by idolatry. This is one that was named in 1 Corinthians 10. That is to be attracted to other idols, other things that grab our attention, even grab our devotion. There are many good and wonderful things in life, but none of them replace God. If we pursue some of those wonderful and good things, whether it's an experience or whether it's a a product or whether it's a tool or whatever it may be, as if it's the God of our life, at the centre of our passion, our time, our commitment, that becomes idolatry. Israel fell into that sin of idolatry and we are no less in danger of elevating other things to consume our devotion. And as the passage actually says in 1 Corinthians 10, having come through it, the people will then eat and drink and be merry. Eat and drinking and even being merry is actually good. But there actually is more to life than just eating and drinking and being merry and nothing else. And in particular, the great lesson that they learned that Paul points to is that they ate from the rock that God had provided, provided the food. They drank from the rock that God had provided, the spiritual drink. And then Paul goes one step further and identifies that food, that water, that rock as the Lord Jesus himself. They were known to grumble a lot and loss of perspective in terms of what they were grumbling about. Now, this is one of those moments where I could do a little little bit of self-disclosure. When clergy get together, we read these verses, and we say, surely not in our churches. We don't have any grumbling or loss of perspective in our churches. And I assure them, not St. Matthew's, no. We do have to laugh at ourselves. But it can be at times that we get drawn into that same temptation. And sometimes I just want to say, take a deep breath, take a step back. Some things are good to advocate and other things are helpful to point forward, especially if it's expressed constructively. A bit more about that this afternoon. 
But don't get drawn into that culture of grumbling, a culture of cynicism, because that can become very infectious. And then there is the, the reality that it's all too easy for the journey to be forgotten. Having reached a point, a respite stage, and decided to stay there. Sometimes that can be a, a helpful re-understanding of the journey before us. I, I love the story of the owner of the caravan park at Clayton Bay. Uh, for those caravanners around us, and those a few, it's a terrific caravan park. He started in Adelaide on a trip around Australia. He got as far as Clayton Bay, <laughs> 96 kilometres away. And he saw a caravan park up for sale. I know what I'll do, I'll buy it, he said, about eight years ago. He happens to be a builder and he's done a spectacular job of uh, giving a whole new life to that location. But it's good to remember that we don't just stay still, that in the journeys where life takes us, that it's good to have a sense of purpose and to have that sense of purpose before God is a wonderful thing, a wonderful space to be. And there's also the fading lessons. That's sometimes we go back and just need to remind ourselves things that are not new to us. Most of what we say on a Sunday and we gather together and reflect on God's word is not new to us. But it's good to be reminded of it, especially when it's God reminding us of those truths. So where does it take us? Well, the ultimate remedy is found in that second reading we had. God's provision of spiritual food and spiritual drink is the Lord Jesus himself. The whole gospel narrative of what we see and hear is life-giving. It provides the food, to, the mental food, the spiritual food to eat upon and to be nourished by. And then the ultimate spiritual rock, is the person of Jesus. That wonderful conclusion that Paul makes, Jesus Christ is the rock of Israel, the cornerstone that provides the stability to our structure. And the more we reflect on the example, the life, the teaching, the purpose, the wonderful humanity, but the profound divinity reflected in Jesus, why would we turn our backs on Jesus? So I come back to where we started, in that liminal space, a sense of God calling us forwards. I have a strong sense, and others have sensed it too. I've even had one or two conversations that have sparked that sense of God's got something pretty amazing ahead for us. But we can't run ourselves ahead, but to be open in a profound sense that not just can we keep doing what we do, but where may God be looking to, for us to be committed to be partnering in a significant re-emergence, renewal, revival of his church here at St Matthew's. If we ever reach the stage and we say, this is it, then it's good to celebrate what we have, but it would be foolish 
to just try and stay with what we have and not look to the future. I have a strong sense of urging and praying and being committed to this stage of our life and ministry to laying the foundations for the next generation to come. Each generation at St Matthew's has contributed something that others have stepped into and have run with in their own way. I think one of the things in my first innings at St Matthew's that uh, caused some of the greatest delight was when we had a, initially an evening service of about six to eight people in a card that we followed. And I think one of the things that I got right was I took the cards and I put them in the bin and said, use your own words. You choose how to gather. And so the Sunday at six ministry took off and I sat at the back and I was just in awe of what emerged. That was then. The question for us is, where are we now? And are we willing to seek and to discern and to dare to, to talk about where God may be guiding us? I have a strong sense that there is something profound in that space awaiting us. To prayer is the way in which we are to go. So, the danger for me and for others sometimes, I'm not alone in this, is to run off in all sorts of directions, then discover I've been leaping off in the wrong direction. But to focus on Jesus, focus on being the body of Christ, being the people of Jesus, being the people in mission, in God's grace, on the mission of Jesus. And there we find those pathways that are truly life-giving. Amen.